Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I can't do it. We'll do it live. Okay. Do it live. I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live. This is Snowman in the Morning and it begins now. The Cavs have to get the ball in the length of the floor. They won't. And the Boston Celtics have redefined stealing a playoff game. They come from 21 down on the 15th anniversary nearly of coming from 21 down to do the exact same thing they did in 2002. Steal game three of the Eastern Conference Finals. Down, down, down! He's human, so he's going to have a night like this. And... Um, he didn't shoot the ball well, and we still had a, you know, 20-point lead. Bazinga! What happened, I mean, it hurts. Um, it's a loss in the postseason, but, you know, I, I'm glad it kind of hurt, uh, happened the way it did. You know, um, let our foot off the gas a little bit. You know, didn't keep the, the pressure on him like we have been accustomed to it, but, you know, we have to play a lot better. You know, we have to play a lot better in game four. That's it, man. Game over, man. Game over. Turnovers, um, turning the basketball over, um, offensive rebounds. You know, we had some stops at times and couldn't rebound the basketball, but, you know, a lot of fourth quarter turnovers that, you know, gave them life. Are you kidding me? Kevin Durant had his way for a period there in transition and just really, really spread the game open. He did a great job. Hello, baby. That ball hit high and deep, way back. At the wall, he looks up, you can. Put it on the board. Yes. Yes. And it is 4-0 socks. Good morning, everybody. Snowman is back. And so is Snowman in the morning. And we are presented by Cleaver Supplements. And thank you to the folks at Cleaver Supplements for giving us another year of sponsorship at cleaversupplements.com you can follow them on twitter at cleaver k-l-i-e-w-e-r subs follow us online the id you need for everything is at s-i-t morning for a snowman of the morning well 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 as it turns out we have a series in the eastern conference finals after all get to that we'll get to uh, the Western Conference Finals. It's a special hour. It's an hour-long express edition. Usually, Snowman in the Morning runs two hours. We're going to build to that this time. So we're going to give you an hour, best sports talk ever. And I got a. I have a special segment uh, talking horse racing on this Monday, and uh, got some special guests coming up throughout the course of the week. Rick Curdy, who is in charge of a movement to bring baseball to Charlotte, North Carolina. We're going to talk about that. And uh, I'll have a chance to talk to uh, MMA fighter Joshua Oxendine, uh, Tara Cochran, who did our uh, interview that you heard on Friday, that we posted on Friday on the website. She's going to join me this week. Just a whole bunch of good stuff as we continue to build Snowman in the Morning. This is version 2.0. 
As I said a moment ago, well, well, well. Seems like we have a series in the Eastern Conference Finals. The Boston Celtics rallied from 21 down in Cleveland and won Game 3, 111 to 108, thanks to Avery Bradley. And I know a lot of you people are thinking, Avery Bradley, of all people, yeah, that Avery Bradley. Now let me throw some numbers at you that seem pretty small, especially coming from the person that produced them. 11, 6, 6, and 45. Let me read those numbers again. 11, 6, 6, and 45. Those are LeBron James's numbers. 11 points, 6 rebounds, 6 assists in 45 minutes. I've said this about LeBron James all along, and I will continue to say it, and I don't care how many people get mad at me. I don't care how many people turn a deaf ear, because it's very, very clear. He only rises up when he wants to. He didn't even, I'm going to say something that'll really get some fans go, but I don't care. He didn't rise up even during Game 7 of the NBA Finals last year. Kyrie Irving rescued that series for the Cleveland Cavaliers. LeBron James didn't. LeBron didn't deserve the unanimous MVP in the NBA Finals. What exactly did he do to bring Cleveland back from a 3-1 deficit? Because if Kyrie Irving didn't get things started, LeBron wouldn't have fallen in line. LeBron is a follower, not a leader. Period. Period. On top of that, how can you be in your house after two blowouts of a team that everyone thought was inferior to them. And you only produce 11 points, including none in the money period. No points for LeBron James, the supposed king in the money period. No points in the fourth quarter when it's winning time, when a team that was the number one seed, y'all seem to forget, Boston's the number one seed. And you let them back from 21 down when you should have smelled blood and pounced. This is after registering a 44-point win in Boston earlier this week. You get two double-digit victories on the road. And everybody's saying, oh, LeBron James is the best thing ever. Now, coming into this game, he averaged 34 points and 9 rebounds coming into Sunday night's game. In Cleveland, but come on, this is Cleveland. (laughs) That should tell you everything right there. But also, this is LeBron James. This should tell you everything right there. You know, certain sports talk hosts have have said, I beg your pardon, we watch LeBron James wet the bed in the fourth quarter. Does the year 2011 come to mind for you guys? It should. It really should. Because that's exactly what happened Sunday night in his own house. Let's go back a year earlier. The year was 2010. Cleveland led Boston two games to one in what was to be LeBron James' final season 
in Cleveland before he ran to Miami, took his talents to Miami, and won two championships there in four appearances. But let's give credit where credit is due, people. Let's give credit to the Boston Celtics. In particular, to their defense. Did y'all know that during the last 18 minutes and 24 seconds of game time, that the Celtics outscored Cleveland 55-31? to Let me say that again. In the last 18-24 of the game, Boston outscored Cleveland 55-31. to Anybody who's done any kind of history should remember what happened when Cleveland was up by 8 in 2010 in Game 5 of the Eastern Semifinals. And that's when Boston went nuts. And everybody wrote this game off in Cleveland's favor because the Celtics were without their leader in Isaiah Thomas. Hold up, wait a minute. Y'all forgot about Marcus Smart, who started in IT's place and led them with 27 points, including 7 of 10 from three-point land. 7 of 10. The Celtics hit 18 of 40. From three-point range. The Cavs were 16 of 39. So in essence. The Celtics beat the Cavs at their own game. Because the Cavs love to shoot a lot of three-point goals. In fact, this is the most three-point field goals this season they've attempted in four years. More credit to the Celtics. Jay Crowder. A double-double 14 points and 11 rebounds. Cleveland, of course, bowled their way to the free throw line. 36 free throws and Boston attempted only 12. But here's a wild card no one thought about. Jonas Jarebko. 10 points, 5 rebounds. Playing only 12 and a half minutes off the bench. And a game high plus 22. Marcus Smart also had a game-high seven assists, tying with Kyrie Irving. Now, I mentioned some numbers earlier in, in relation to the supposed king. 11, 6, 6, and 45. Let me throw another six in there. 11, 6, 6, 6. And 45. You know what that third six is for? How about six turnovers? A game high six turnovers. Oh, by the way, this was in Cleveland. This was in Cleveland. And I love what Brad Stevens said. The Celtics trailed 66-50 at halftime. And it looked like it was going to be another blowout. Brad Stevens said the following, and I quote, At the end of the day, this is about chipping away, single after single. If we play harder than them, they will let us back in this. 
and he, close quote, and he was right. Cleveland let them back in. This has always been the mantra of the Cleveland Cavaliers led by LeBron James. They let teams back into games, period. They always let them back into games. So instead of everybody writing off the Boston Celtics, you should have given them a chance because the Celtics gave themselves a chance and they got back in it. And I mentioned the name Avery Bradley. Everybody wrote off Avery Bradley. Everybody wrote off the Celtics after after game two. Avery Bradley had the game-winning shot on Sunday night. Y'all seem to forget That Bradley hit the biggest shot of his career last February. Guess where he hit it? In Cleveland. At Quicken Loans Arena. He hit a game-winning three at the buzzer to beat the Cleveland Cavaliers 104-103. Give this Celtics team credit. They're not the number one seed for and for nothing they battled back from a 21 point second half deficit let me say that again down 21 in the second half and everybody just started saying oh this is three nothing cleveland wrong again knotted up the score at 95 apiece with a little less than six minutes remaining in regulation cleveland let boston back in the game LeBron James let Boston back in the game. LeBron James let the Dallas Mavericks steal a title from him in 2011 with Miami when Miami and LeBron was supposedly the best team and they screwed over the Bulls in the process in the Eastern Conference Finals in 2011. I still have a little bit of anger toward that. You're going to tell me that the Bulls blow out Miami and LeBron in game one and then all of a sudden the next four games the refs don't blow their whistles? The refs start blowing their whistles, I beg your pardon? But I digress. There were 10.7 seconds left in the game, and the shot clock was turned off. Jonas Jarepko, of all people, inbounding the ball. At center court, Marcus Smart came to get it. LeBron James is in Marcus Smart's face. Now, I've always questioned LeBron James's defense. And I will continue to question LeBron James's defense. How he makes all NBA, I don't know. And I'm not saying this in in saying that LeBron's not a great athlete. I know he's a great athlete, but he's not fundamentally sound when it comes to basketball. Period. I've said it for 14 years, and I will continue to say it. Marcus Smart was in LeBron James's face, not vice versa. He took a few dribbles, and then Avery Bradley, coming off of a pick set by Al Horford, rose up and rattled home the game winner with a tenth of a second remaining, sucking the air out of Quicken Loans Arena. And you know something? I couldn't be happier. Because I'm sick and tired of people giving LeBron James a pass when he doesn't deserve it. And he's not going to get one from me. 
11 points in 45 minutes. I guarantee you, had this been Michael Jordan, had this been Magic Johnson, had this been Larry Bird, had this been anybody that preceded LeBron, there would be all kinds of statements uttered to no excuses. You're a star. You're supposed to lead your team. Well, you know what? The folks I just named did lead their team. Remember, in 84 in the NBA World Championship Series, Magic turned the ball over five times against Boston, allowing Boston to win Game 7. Magic got his revenge a year later, winning Game 6 in Boston. Anybody remember that? I certainly do. So what is to be made of LeBron James now? That he let a team that he had, that his team had down by 21 points in the second half. And not only did they come back, they came back and won it. What do you have to say? The first obvious thing that a lot of people will say to try to give LeBron James a pass is it's only one game. Cleveland's still up two games to one. That lead is in jeopardy, folks. Because you let a team without their leader come back from 21 down in your house to win. Not just to tie or send it to overtime, but to win. Period. And if LeBron James, Kyrie Irving, and the Cleveland Cavaliers don't show any kind of resistance come Tuesday night in Game 4... This series will conclude in Cleveland with Boston winning it one week later. I guarantee you that. As a matter of fact, I'm going to go ahead and say it. If the Cleveland Cavaliers do not win game four in Cleveland, then Boston will do something that the Lakers did to San Antonio in 1983. The Lakers won in Texas Three times to win the champ to win the Western Conference title. If Cleveland lets Boston tie the series, then the Celtics will do the same damn thing. You let a wounded team get back in. Not just the game. You let them win the game. And you possibly let them get the confidence they need to swipe the series from you. I thought LeBron James was all of that. I thought the Cleveland Cavaliers were the defending world champions. Well, they sure as hell didn't play like it in the second half. A 16-point halftime lead. And I know Cleveland's not the only team that you know, choked away a 16-point halftime lead. And I know everybody's going to come comment saying, well, Golden State led 3-1 to one in the finals. I realize that. I realize what comments are coming. But I particularly don't care. I really don't care. Why, you ask? Because this was LeBron James's house. And he did not score in the fourth quarter. If he scores anything, anything in the fourth quarter, 3 nothing Cleveland. End of story. But that is not the case now, is it? It is not the case. 
We have a series, folks. And the Boston Celtics have every reason to come all the way back and steal this series. I guarantee you, they win game four, they're going to steal the series. Because all Boston has to do is just win once on their home floor. Cleveland was on cruise control. Boston needed a reason to survive. Especially after finding out their leader, Isaiah Thomas, is done for the remainder of the playoffs with an injury. The Celtics needed a reason to live. And they got it. In the form of Avery Bradley, in the form of Marcus Smart, you know, the supporting cast that every team is supposed to have. Everybody wants to give LeBron James a pass. Well, superstars have a bad game. You know, well, superstars don't come up empty in the fourth quarter more often than not either. Not at home. Even on Michael Jordan's worst fourth quarter performance. Game three, Phoenix in Chicago Stadium. A game, a classic game that went three overtimes. Yeah, Michael may have come up scoreless in the fourth quarter, as I remember, but he helped set the Bulls. He helped the Bulls come back from eight down to tie the game at 103 in regulation. And granted, it was a game that Phoenix would eventually win in triple overtime, 129 to 121. But unlike LeBron James in the fourth quarter. At least Michael still led his team to a comeback. So don't give me this comparison with LeBron James and compare him to either Kobe Bryant or Michael Jordan. I've said it before and I'll say it again about LeBron James. He's a hell of an athlete. He's a good basketball player. He does not have the killer instinct and Sunday night proved it. He does not and will not ever have the killer instinct to put the team on his shoulders and lead them to a victory. And don't give me last year game seven in the finals. Don't give me game six. I'm talking about when it really counts. Because you know when it really counted? Kyrie Irving came through. Not LeBron. You can say all you want about back-to-back 40-point games by LeBron James, which is a hell of a feat. You can say all you want about him leading his team back in the second half against Golden State in Game 7. But as far as I'm concerned, Kyrie Irving was the hero, not LeBron. Kyrie Irving has the killer instinct to lead that team, not LeBron. Kyrie Irving should have been the Finals MVP last year, not LeBron. How are you going to depend on a guy that is scoreless when it counts? Sorry, I wouldn't. Now that I got all that out of the way, we're going to take a break and we'll turn to the Western Conference Finals. And I'm going to say it the way I meant to say it, where the real superstars came through. 
they smelled blood and pounced. Better take a lesson, LeBron, or you won't see June. Back in a deuce. Adopt U.S. Kids presents Multiple Choice Parenting. You're bringing your daughter to her favorite pop star's concert. Do you A, wear earplugs? Isn't this fun, Dad? I have a soft pretzel. B, remember the moment with matching concert t-shirts. That's going to be 180 bucks. Or we can just take a photo. C, show her how you used to do concerts. We're going crowd surfing. I can't. It's too heavy. Oh, my God. Or D, just roll with it. Woo, Justin, look at us, we're over here! Justin, Justin, OMG, he just looked, I love you, Justin, I love you! When it comes to parenting, there are no perfect answers. But that's okay, because you don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. Teens in foster care will love you just the same. For more information on how you can adopt, visit adoptuskids.org slash AL. A public service announcement from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt U.S. Kids, and the Ad Council. When I was little, I didn't talk for a long time. I was sensitive to lights and sounds, so I built secret hiding places where they couldn't get in. Sometimes, I did the same things over and over, until one day, I found out I had autism. My family got me help. Slowly, I learned how to live with it better. Early intervention can make a lifetime of difference. Learn the signs at AutismSpeaks.org slash signs. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. Adopt U.S. Kids presents Multiple Choice Parenting. You're bringing your daughter to her favorite pop star's concert. Do you A, wear earplugs? Isn't this fun, Dad? I have a soft pretzel. B, remember the moment with matching concert t-shirts. That's going to be 180 bucks. Or we can just take a photo. C, show her how you used to do concerts. We're going crowd surfing. I can't. It's too heavy. Oh, my God. Or D, just roll with it. Woo, Justin, look at us. We're over here. Justin, Justin. OMG. He just looked. I love you, Justin. I love you. When it comes to parenting, there are no perfect answers. But that's okay, because you don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. Teens in foster care will love you just the same. For more information on how you can adopt, visit adoptuskids.org slash AL. A public service announcement from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt U.S. Kids, and the Ad Council. This is Snowman in the Morning. We are missing uh, Kawhi's offense and defense in this series, and of course Tony. Um, and they are a good team even with them. We are struggling to score today, we did okay offensively, uh, but they were just too much for us today uh, offensively. Welcome back to the premiere of Snowman in the Morning 2.0 on this Monday. We are presented by Cleaver's Supplements, pure supplements for when genetics are just not enough. Hey, if you want to sponsor our programming for as low as 25 bucks a month, drop me an email at bsnow at arenasportsnet.com. Well, broke down what hap- what's going on in the East Finals. Let's uh, take a peek at what's going on in the Western Conference Finals, shall we? And, um, well, <laughs> Golden State's up three games to none on San Antonio, which makes me happy, but it makes me sad at the same time. 
Here's why it makes me sad. I didn't think the Spurs would go through this kind of injury trouble. And on Saturday night, they lost David Lee, one of their other big men, to a knee injury. And I love David Lee. Love the Spurs, too. In fact, if you think about it, this is the series that people have wanted to see since these two met in the West semifinals in 2013. And the Spurs won that in six games. Since then, people have salivated to see the Dubs and the Spurs play in the Western Conference Finals. I borrow from the movie Daredevil when Michael Clark Duncan, who was Kingpin, delivered the following line. It's a shame that you came to me wounded. I would have loved to have fought you in your prime. It's a shame that the Spurs are as wounded as they are. And I mean, injuries happen to any and everybody. The the Warriors went through it last year, minus Stephen Curry and minus Andrew Bogut. And in many cases, minus um, Harrison Barnes. They went through it this year, minus Kevin Durant for 19 games. It happens to any and everybody. It's just a shame that in one series, they lose Tony Parker And in a second series, they lose Kawhi Leonard. It's not fair. It's not fair to the true basketball fan. Because I'll say it again. The only team that could have matched up with the Golden State Warriors completely healthy was San Antonio. And San Antonio has been the model of consistency since 1999. (sighs) But to hear Greg Popovich after game two, at which the Warriors won 136 to 100, come out and say that his team, well, actually he called out LaMarcus Aldridge. Let's start there. Paging LaMarcus Aldridge, paging LaMarcus Aldridge. Where has this guy been in crunch time? He sure as hell hasn't been around. It was true in Portland, and it's especially true now. Why did the Spurs get LaMarcus Aldridge? To give them some more depth in the front court. Except for games five and six against Houston. And this is counting the first round of the playoffs. Except for games five and six in Houston, where LaMarcus Aldridge went completely off. Has he done anything? No, he hasn't. He was 7 for 17 on Saturday night. And usually, the AT&T Center is a house of horrors for Golden State. Counting the regular season, they've won their last two there. And remember, they won the last regular season game Between these two teams, minus Kevin Durant. So what does Kevin do when he sees the Spurs and he knows they're wounded? What does a good team do? You pounce to the tune of 33 points and 10 rebounds for Kevin Durant. If there was a game that the Spurs needed to get, it was game one. They needed to get game one. Because remember, San Antonio blew the Warriors out in the first half. 
they blasted out to a 25-point lead midway through the third period. And that's when Kawhi went down with his injury, and that's when the series turned. The Warriors kept shooting and shot their way back into the game, and eventually won game one, 113-111. Steph and Kevin went nuts, but there was a question posed to me by one of my wonderful producers in Corvante Hurd. You may have heard that name before, one of the stars of the Flex Zone that runs here on Arena Sportsnet. Cravante posed a question to me. In fact, he put, no, he didn't even pose a question. He put it in a statement. He said the Durant factor is hurting Clay Thompson. My retort was this. Do they really need Clay Thompson until the finals? And I also said to him, while we were planning this uh, revival of Snowman in the Morning, I also said to him, that Clay doesn't need to go off until there's a closeout opportunity against San Antonio, and that's to get him in his rhythm. Well, Clay was in his rhythm, seven for fifteen on Saturday night, three for three for six from downtown, three for seven from downtown, seventeen points. Clay was in his rhythm, and if Clay, Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, and Draymond Green are all in their rhythm, the series is over tonight. In Texas. But I'll say it again. It's just sad that the Spurs are so wounded. Because they would be the best competition ever. For the Golden State Warriors. Not Cleveland. Not Boston. None of those teams. The best competition for the Warriors. Is the San Antonio Spurs. And it's going to be that way going forward. It's just sad that the Spurs bigs. Have come up empty especially in game three i mentioned lamarcus aldridge seven for 17 from the floor but they got a couple of real good looking players especially jonathan simmons the future is going to be bright in san antonio believe that greg popovich ain't going anywhere but here are three questions heading into tonight's game four do the Spurs even have a chance in hell? I say they do because it's San Antonio. But missing Tony Parker and missing Kawhi Leonard, who could possibly be the defensive player of the year, it's going to be real tough for the Spurs to avoid elimination. And if they win tonight, they're just delaying the inevitable. And I said to my producers... That if the Warriors won game three on Saturday, which they did, 120 to 108, then this series does not return to California. And the way it looks right now, the Golden State Warriors are going to have a nice long rest. They got to take care of business tonight. They must take care of business in Texas. When you have a team down, you pounce right now. And the Warriors have to pounce right now, tonight. They have to finish this series. You don't want a wounded team hanging around. Just ask the Cleveland Cavaliers. I don't think Cleveland's learned their lesson yet. But I'll guarantee you the San Antonio Spurs are learning a lesson at the hands of the Golden State Warriors. And the Warriors are learning a lesson from last year. When you have a team down, you finish them immediately. 
This is the time for Golden State to start exercising the ghosts from last year when they won 73. They came back from 3-1 down to beat Oklahoma City. And they should have extinguished the Cavaliers down 3-1. But when Draymond Green was suspended, that turned that series. It would take a catastrophic injury or another suspension. You never know. Now, how about some keys for the Spurs? The bigs need to show up. That means Gasol. That means Aldridge. That means Simmons. That means everybody needs to rally in the silver and black. Everybody needs to rally for San Antonio right now. Will it be enough? We won't know. But I'll sure speak on it tomorrow. I'm happy either way for these two teams. For the Dubs, they're close to winning another Western Conference title. And for the Spurs, to fight as hard and as long as they have to get this far. I just think the injuries are too much for them to overcome. And I hate it. I hate it. I wanted to see both of these teams fully healthy. And you got to remember, you got to remember, the Golden State Warriors are not at complete health because they're minus Jaja Pachulia. But they got such a strong bench that they can overcome that. They should have been dead in the water in game three, even given the Spurs injuries. But that's not the case. Know what the case is? The Warriors have a chance to clinch the Western Conference title in Texas. This will be the first time, and if they do it, this will be the first time they've won the Western Conference Championship on the road. They're establishing a pretty good tradition in Northern California. They've already established one in Texas. I just hope the other teams take note. And that's a subject I'll discuss tomorrow. I'll discuss later in the week. Time now for our Cleaver Supplements question of the day. And the question of the day is this. Can the Spurs win tonight? Can the Spurs win game four? I would actually love to see them do it to show a little bit of fight. But I don't think it's going to happen. What do you think? Tweet us at SIT Morning and at Arena Sportsnet to let us know what you think about what may happen in Game 4. Take a pause for a break. And when we come back, the next voice you hear will be that of Tara Cochran who had an absolutely wonderful interview that was recorded last week, and you're hear it in its entirety. Now, this was recorded on Friday. It's all about the horse racing, and congratulations to Cloud Computing for upsetting Always Dreaming in the Preakness. A little bit of teaser of what you're going to hear. Tara Cochran, after the break, Snowman in the Morning, back in the deuce.
Adopt US Kids presents multiple choice parenting. Your daughter just had her first breakup. Do you A, put yourself in her shoes? How could he do this to you? And for Sheila, she, she has split ends. B, console her. Oh, sweetie, this is going to happen a lot. Four, maybe five more times before you get married. C, take charge. Got to get this all straightened out. Give a little talking to, man to man, mano a mano. Hey, Steve, is now a good time? No? Okay, no problem. Bye. Or D, help her find a new boyfriend. I know a great place to meet boys. The internet. Nice, single boys. Never mind. How about some ice cream? As a parent, there are no perfect answers. But you don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. Thousands of teens in foster care will love you just the same. For more information on how you can adopt, visit adoptuskids.org. A public service announcement from the US Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt US Kids and the Ad Council. Hey Brian, that was some game, huh? I missed it. Spent all day in the yard watching a coyote. You saw a coyote up close? Was it vicious? Oh yeah, tore up my neighbor's land, but good. Tilling, mowing, raking, aerating. It's just a beautiful creature. Mowing? Got the pictures to prove it. Filled up my whole memory card. Brian, that's a tractor. Coyote. Run ahead of the pack. Adopt US Kids presents Multiple Choice Parenting. You're bringing your daughter to her favorite pop star's concert. Do you A, wear earplugs? Isn't this fun, Dad? I have a soft pretzel. B, remember the moment with matching concert t-shirts. That's going to be 180 bucks. Or we can just take a photo. C, show her how you used to do concerts. We're going crowd surfing. I can't. It's too heavy. Oh, my God. Or D, just roll with it. Woo, Justin, look at us. We're over here. Justin, Justin, OMG. He just said, I love you, Justin. I love you. When it comes to parenting, there are no perfect answers. But that's okay, because you don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. Teens in foster care will love you just the same. For more information on how you can adopt, visit adoptuskids.org slash AL. A public service announcement from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt U.S. Kids, and the Ad Council. This is Snowman in the Morning. Excellent. I'm so excited to start this series here on Arena Sportsnet uh, through my site, allabouttherace.com, to introduce people to new people and, and racing, try to introduce new fans uh, as well, because there's so many different people that a lot of times aren't talked about on, on your main media outlets. Now, this guy is actually starting to get a lot more exposure. Um, he's a mentor of mine, a friend of mine, someone I respect highly. He's one of the good guys. He actually gave me my start in racing. He is a perennially leading trainer at Oaklawn Park and trains arguably the top sprinter in the country right now in Whitmore, Ron McQuet. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Are you on your way to Baltimore now? Are you there? Just, no, I just got here. Uh, been here, uh, got here last night. Fantastic. And when did you ship in your horses? I sent uh, the horses up three days ago on the airplane. Okay, and how have they been training at Pimlico? Very well. Laura gets on them all, as you know, and she says everybody is happy and healthy. 
Awesome. I'm so glad that she's there with you too. Um, so just a little bit about your background. You come from really humble beginnings there uh, from Fort Smith, Arkansas. You know, you don't, you didn't come from a racing family. You really had to work your way from the ground up. I know at one point you lived in a tack room um, and you came up under Bernie Flint. Who else did you come up under? Um, that was pretty much it as far as thoroughbreds. I used to work for a quarter horse farm near my home, uh, you know, in uh, Oklahoma on the board of Arkansas and Oklahoma. But uh, as far as thoroughbred goes, it was straight to Bernie and then uh, got my own horse. Uh, bought my first thoroughbred racehorse off of uh, Lucas, D. Wayne Lucas, and it was a horse that he and his wife at the time had bred named Rare Money. So that's uh, that's how I come up in thoroughbreds. But it, the the back the base of it started in uh, quarter horses. Okay, and your first start it was in '97, right? Thoroughbred, yeah. yeah. My first my first win was a quarter horse Appaloosa named Sparkling Bull. Oh, how cool! Well, you fast forward 20 years now, um, and especially in these last five years, I've really seen your your career, your business take off. You're eclipsing a million, two million dollars in yearly earnings. Um, you've had Breeders' Cup starters. You're a multiple graded stakes winning trainer. You actually got your first Kentucky Derby started with Far Right in 2015. You followed that up in last year with Whitmore. And now you almost had Petroff, who, who made it in this year as well. Um, and you actually finished second overall in the trainer standings at Oakland this winter, only behind Steve Asmussen, which is so impressive and I'm sure really exciting for you since Oakland is your home track. Um, what does that type of success mean to you and what do you attribute it to? Well, the thing that drives me as a, as a racing trainer is the fact that I'm still a racing fan. And anytime you get to go up against the quality of trainers and horses that I get to run against, you know, you spoke of far right. We got beat in the Arkansas Derby. We run second, but we got beat by American Pharaoh. And, and we finished second at uh, in money earned at, at Oakland Park, but we got to, we got beat by Steve Asmussen. So the, the kind of people that we get to compete against now and, and, and things for me being a fan is huge. I, I love the fact that we're, we're trying to get on them stage and we're we're running respectful for our horses and our and our clients and our barn and that's a that's a huge thing that i hope i never outgrow is the the fact that i'm still a little bit uh, in awe of these guys as i'm trying to beat them and and one thing that i i think that also could be a factor i know is a factor to your success is your motto horses first and you've got the sign that hangs up in your office to prove so. And that's one thing I love about your operation is you truly do put the horse first. Um, but yeah. the, the horse has always been the, the, the thing I, it can be around a horse a little bit. You'll know why you should love them and why you should respect them and why you should put them first. And, and, you know, a lot of times people lose sight of, uh, of the, the reason we do all this. And, but the, the reason for our barn is always, is is going to be 
under the mantra, horses first. We do what's right by the horse and he'll take care or she'll take care of us. Absolutely. Um, and, and speaking of someone who's not really gotten too big, and you say you run against the Asmussen's and the Bafferts and the Lucases, but you have always been someone who has given shots to new people getting into racing. I know you gave me my shot. Um, not just there in your shed row, though, also riders. I want to talk a little bit about your relationship with Ricardo Santana Jr. He obviously is going to have the call for you on Our Majesty today and then Whitmore tomorrow. How has that relationship developed for you? over the years well he was uh he was a 15 year old panamanian that uh that basically wandered in my barn and wanted told me he was going to be a good rider and and asked me if i had any jobs for him to do and uh he had, had not taken out his bug license at uh in the united states yet and he kept telling me how good he was and <laughs> in broken english but we let him we let him hold horses in the ice tub and we let him graze horses and walk horses. And the fact that he was willing to do all that and show that he, he A, liked horses and B, loved the sport enough to do whatever was asked was always a, a key thing in, in me evaluating uh, his want, you know. And and the difference a lot of times with these riders is, is from the eighth, eighth pole home who wants it more. And he's a he's a, a great kid. He deserves all the success he's having. Um, I'm very proud that that he started around us, and uh, I'm I'm glad that whatever effect we've had, or uh, I, I like to think he's mutually affected us. Absolutely. Well, he's he's got a, a pretty big job for you this weekend with Whitmore and also today riding Our Majesty. You're sending her out in the grade three Miss Preakness Stakes. That's a six furlong sprint for three-year-old fillies on the dirt. Uh, she's the seven to two morning line favorite. Does Ricardo get on her in the mornings to, to work her? No, he uh, he doesn't. And the reason why is I've got horses that he has, mm -hmm. and I, I continue that. But, you know, I'm so superstitious. I like everything to go the way it was that made us have, be successful. And, and Jose is a is a boy that gets on her and, and works her and breezes her and gallops her, and Kaylee is a, the, the main gallop person for her. So I'm in the if it's if it's not broke, don't fix it category. Absolutely. So we just leave it the same way, and he gets her on her in her race, races and uh, – and, uh, you know, we look we look forward to her, you know, getting a good trip and and representing the uh, the cool ownership that owns her very well. Yeah, I actually wanted to ask you about that. I know on a side, it's Chinello. Am I pronouncing that right? I'm not Italian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is that right? I know she's Die. involved, but you've got yes. some of your other owners, uh, female owners who have gotten involved in that partnership, correct? Yeah. Uh, Catherine Adams Hutt, who's a uh, partner with me on Petrov and Treble and and many other horses, and then uh, Ella Lou Smith, which owns Bim Bam, yeah. and uh, Edna Edick, which has been a, her husband's been a, a, a an owner in my barn for, for the past 20 years, and um, you know all these all these people, along with Anna and and obviously Bonnie Bonnie Hamilton of Silverton Hills owns that filly, and it's quite the group of of uh, of very very good horsewomen uh yeah they there's every one of them you know have ridden every one of them uh understand the game and you know it's it's not just it's it's not just you know somebody that wants to own a horse and they're financially able to do so it's it's a group of, of ladies 
that enjoy racing but really appreciate horses. Absolutely. This filly you purchased at OBS, right? Yes, we uh, we purchased her uh, at the OBS sale. She had failed to, to uh, meet the reserve set, and we went and bartered a little bit after that. And luckily, the the consigner herself is a is a is a girl <laughs> wanted wanted us to have her, and and it's it's worked out very well. OBS for people who don't know is the Ocala Breeder Sale down in Florida. Um, now, when you purchased Our Majesty, was that specifically for It's All About the Girls Stable? Yes. Okay. Yes, that was. Uh, they told me to find a, a nice filly that would be fun, and that could we could develop into a, a good horse. And and I I'm proud of trying to get the good deals. I know you can go over and outspend everybody if you if you put all your money together or whatever. I to me it's it's uh, there's going to be times when you have to do that, but I don't think it's every time. Right. You can go over there and try to get a you know. Luckily, Whitmore cost thirty seven thousand. We know what Bar Right cost, and yeah. and you know, all those guys. So she was a, a, a decent deal and by a sire that hadn't taken off quite like it, like he has now, uh, and a good older dam. And, and, you know, um, I found, found her over there, you know, kicking the bushes and, and she was, <laughs> she was, it wasn't like she was hidden. She was a fast Billy. Anybody could see her, but, uh, I'm very happy we got her. Well, she's run very well for you. If it looks like, if you just look at her finishes, that she's undefeated, but she was actually disqualified there, and and her second start at Oakland in March. What happened there? Um, it was a, you know, very tricky call. I'd I, I'd say more if, if you lined up a hundred people that saw it, you know, probably eighty-five of them would would think you were crazy if you told them that you were disqualified. Yeah. And but. Uh, three of those 15 were wearing the stewards steward seats that day so yeah. uh, it wasn't a very popular decision of, among racing fans but she come back and vindicated herself well in her next out against some good horses and uh you know you can you can grow from that or you can allow that to haunt you and we've decided to just move on and, and try to try to go on and grow from it well i don't think that she knew that she was taken down because she went out last time and, and won easily there at keeneland now you're taking her into graded company today any reservations there or do you think she's ready she's ready I, I i was surprised to see the field size quite like it was and there's some a lot of really nice horses uh, people like to be on the main stage and yeah. it was between this race and the eight bells and i knew that the weather coming was uh yeah, was something that I really didn't want to contend with over a, a traditionally uh, demanding surface on on Oaks and Derby Day. Uh, I've noticed that uh, I do my homework and <laughs> I noticed that three and, you know, a lot of the fillies that come out of the eight bells usually don't go on and become as successful as uh, you think they should be. So I decided I'd the, with that in the, the slot, we were pointing to the uh, to to the uh, race that we're in today and it looks like there was about 15 others that thought the same thing yeah that was pretty smart even if it was just based on weather alone because it seems like you're going to get perfect weather this weekend so that's definitely good um going later on in the card in race 11 you send out torrent in the grade two black eyed susan which is a race for three-year-old fillies going a mile and an eighth on the dirt now torrent is actually the co long shot at 15 to 1 morning line odds uh, you're sh- you're stepping her up in class a little bit today you're sh- you're stretching her out to the mile and the eighth why did you choose this spot for her yeah 
we uh, we pointed to this spot immediately after the fantasy. Okay. And uh, we had a we had a probably a disadvantageous trip. Uh, we were wide throughout the whole race, and she still kept coming. And, and even you know on a day that the inside speed was holding so well and had to, had somewhat of a bias, she still performed well against all that. So I was very very optimistic that if we could get her to the black at Susan as happy and moving forward as she was in the fantasy that she may have a shot to go up there and, and do well so we think if we get a good trip we're going to be competitive um we've uh, we're also we're obviously uh experienced uh, right. experienced in large fields yes and experienced with difficult trips and we have talent so i think the next the next question is, is how do we do today? And it'd be nice to, you know, a nice feather in the cap of the owners and breeders, which is West Rock Stables, to, mm -hmm. to uh, run one, two, three in such a cool race. West Rock Stables, they are the coffee people, right? Yeah, they were. They are the coffee people, the and they, <laughs> uh, they are from, from Arkansas. They uh, awesome. actually, a couple of my owners, uh, Alex Lieblong and Joe Ford, actually grew up. Uh, less than a couple blocks from each other there in Conway, Arkansas. So uh, it's a, it's all a, a close-knit group. So going back to her running style, you know, she's drawn outside again today. She's in the eight hole out of 11 horses. And like you said, she was carried seven wide, running line set at the, at the quarter four, so going into the stretch. And she did finish really well, all things considered. Now, with Pimlico being a track that's more known for its tight turns, how does that affect your strategy or does it affect your strategy at all? Well, I'm going to, you know, go over and I tell everybody, I set my trips when I named the riders. You uh -huh. know, I... I will obviously I'll go up and say to a writer, hey, she she does this or she prefers this or whatever. But from that point on, you know, we're lucky to have Jose Ortiz on yeah. a good, sound, fast Billy. From that, I'm just going to let him kind of take his uh, take his uh, knowledge that he has of of the track and the success he's had as a writer, and just let, allow him to give us the best opportunity to win. Well, I think you've definitely got a good shot. You know, especially with him in the irons, he's the second leading jockey in the country right now. You, you can't go wrong there. So let's go on now to Saturday. You got your big boy, Whitmore, who is in the grade three Maryland sprint. That is a six furlong race for three-year-olds and up on the dirt. Of course, you are not the favorite here, though. You've got a horse named AP Indian, and not really by much. He's eight to five morning line odds, and, and you're nine to five. You're coming in here, and the reason he's so highly favored is he's undefeated this year. He's five for five at the six for a long distance. Now, before we get into all the nuts and bolts with him, Whitmore was named for a friend of yours, right? Yeah, a guy I went to high school with and played basketball with, uh, Wilbur Whitmore. Uh, I, when I bought this horse, I thought he was just a, a really easy athlete. He's kind of, you know, he's a big guy, you know, bulky but he moves very graceful and and, uh, <laughs> and that's what uh that's what whitmore was so it, it, i called him and told him i was going to name a, a horse after him whenever he was two and said you know you're probably going to be in the derby he started laughing he said, yeah okay cool so and then when he was i was actually lucky enough to have uh the human Whitmore come and uh, and accompany us to the derby so that was pretty cool well yeah and and not now not only did he get to go to the derby now he's possibly see himself at, in the Breeders' Cup this year. I mean, you picked a good horse to name 
after your friend. Is he going to be there today or tomorrow, I should say? No, no. Uh, he will. I will try to get him to California if everything goes smooth and we make it to the Breeders' Cup. I will. I will bring him there. But uh, I don't. I don't think unless he surprised me. I don't think he's coming to Baltimore. <laughs> okay. All right. Now Whitmore. I know you. He works really well. I mean, he's an honest horse. It's not like he works slow, slowly. But he really stepped up on May 14th. His last work with a bullet. He went 46 and two. Was that a planned? Fast work for him? No, it wasn't. <laughs> but at the same time, guys, uh, you know, this is where it pays to be at the track every morning. Uh, yeah. That day, we worked the first set, which the first set is you work the same amount of energy and everything. But the second set is usually about three seconds or, or three-fifths of a second faster mm-hmm. just because the track is, is tighter and it's not chopped up from somebody else that's working over it. And we're always the first set. But uh, that coupled with... It was a, the first race of that day that we worked was a non-winners of two for 50 claiming that was one with a 107 and three clocking. Yeah. So the track was obviously faster and, and maybe maybe uh, more so than people people will give credit to. So that work was really like a 47 and four. But the, the effort of which he did it and, or the way he did it and the effort that he used to do it was pretty remarkable. Yeah, so um, with that work in mind, that didn't take much out of him, though, right? I mean, he's still kicking the barn down, isn't he? Oh, yeah, that's the reason we're here instead of waiting on the true north. Yeah. Uh, he come out of the, that work so smooth and impressive, and, and it really didn't do anything to make him easier to manage around the barn. So I decided we'd better, better ease up to the next uh, the next item on the board, which was the uh, with this race. We wasn't... We wasn't 100% sure who was going. It just worked out as timing. And, and you know, AP Indian and, and Holy Boss and all those horses are, are very good horses. And it's going to take us to have a good race and a good trip to uh, to to beat those kind of guys. With AP Indian to your inside, who, you know, can set a little bit off the pace, much like Whitmore, and then some really early speed and Holy Boss right to your outside. How do you want to see the race unfold ideally? We're very versatile, so I, I'm just going to tell Ricardo, he knows the horse, put him in a position. Uh, as of now, we we uh, we have confidence that he can win from coming from off the pace or, or if he has to be a little bit closer. So what I want him to, you know, to understand is that you're running against very classy horses. Right. And, uh, you know, uh, make sure you're in a position to do what you're asking the horse to do. And uh, that's all. Just feel confident in your ride and then and – then, and then, um, you know, put him in position to do what you need him to do. Uh, you own a part of Whitmore with your Southern Spring Stables with Bob LaPenta. Is there anyone else? Yes, yeah, Saul Kuman just purchased uh, a portion of it before the last race. So, okay. Uh, he was uh, he was uh, able to to be a part of that nice win, and and we're happy to have Saul in the barn. He's a he's a very very good owner that. Uh, like Bob is is very invested, and uh, we're we're happy to have him in our barn. Are you running in his silks today? This it's his turn. Yes. Okay. And, uh, so or we'll tomorrow. go to his silks this time, and then we'll go the next uh, the next race will be Bob Lapenta silks, and then and then we uh, go back to Southern Springs. So it works out it works out great because the East Coast guys that live on the East Coast get their silks in their backyard, and I was able to have my silks 
in my backyard at uh, Oakland. Very cool, very cool. Well, here are a few of the the fan questions that I got, and, and obviously all going to be about Whitmore, and probably as you can imagine, they're going to pertain to him switching in distances. Um, the first question comes from Ryan Dickey, and he wants to know, was it obvious during Whitmore's derby preps that he was a runner who would be better suited to sprint? And do you think that derby fever was part of the reason that he did go on to partake in the derby trail and ultimately run in the Kentucky Derby? Well, that's a good question. I can I can tell you this, that he is a horse that has the dosage to go as far, if you ask Steve Haskins, to go as far as any horse that's ever won the Derby. So to be to be 100% honest, he was a, a horse that never once said he didn't like going the distance. Very few horses, including, including you know, the horse that finished second in this year's Kentucky Derby, had as consistent run getting to the Kentucky Derby as Whitmore did. Mm-hmm. He finished third in the Arkansas Derby where he got beat or got kind of bumped at the head of the stretch by the eventual winner. Uh, we finished second in the Rebel. Uh, you know, I mean, he, he was very consistent going around. He actually made $450,000 and was only out of the top three one time going two turns. So we, we still know that he's he's a very nice horse yeah uh going two turns and and further distance but if this this distance he does it so much easier right so it's it's kind of it's kind of like i think he favors this distance because it's so easy on him but until we run against ap indian tomorrow and and start running against the better horses you got to remember as a three-year-old he tackled the best there was yeah at the longer distances and we're just now starting to do that. Uh, we've yet to run in a grade one. We're in a uh, sprint race where he, he is grade, grade one stakes placed in route races. So I, I think he's obviously a more fun and better sprinter. But yeah. uh, I, won't, I would trade, I would, uh, right now, if you told me I could get, uh, get a horse that run, run one, two, three, and made it to the derby as fit and sound and happy as he did, I would do it again. So he, he is versatile. Like you said, he does have a, a dosage that does suggest that he can go long. Um, someone, Jenny Potter seems to think he could actually run really well at the mile distance. And she's like, obviously he has this race in hand today. She believes, or on Saturday, I should say, but she wants to know if you've considered stretching out back out to a mile and perhaps target the Met mile. I, I have considered it and, and we still may, you know, I think that he's, uh, He's very versatile, and, you know, I haven't ruled out any distance with him, really, but I'm kind of staying under the 7.8 for this year, if I can, just because I'm really going to try to focus on the Breeders' Cup sprint. Mm-hmm. And uh, if the you, you got to remember, too, the, the Met Miles grade one. Yeah. And he's, a, he's a gelding. It doesn't do anything for us uh, to for the ownership to win a grade one as much as it does getting to the breeders cup and winning the sprint right so i would you know i wouldn't mind obviously we're not going to duck anybody we're running a hundred fifty thousand dollar race against i think one of the top sprinters in the world absolutely but at the same time we're doing it at a distance that he's won his last last uh, three outs at and and uh you know so when we try that I, I would prefer not to have to try it in a grade one against proven horses at that distance 
That makes sense. Um, final fan question from Michael Armstrong. He wants to know, do you change Whitmore's training regimen for the sprints he's running in this year versus the route races he ran in last year? Yes, I do. I allow there to be a little more speed in the works, and uh, I don't have to work as often um, with him. And, and this is different from other sprinters and other horses. You know, I think you train each horse individually, and, you know, you might you might have to a bigger, you know, more robust horse you may have to work more to keep the weight where you want it to keep him fit but this horse has got a has got a natural punch yeah he really does natural speed so i just basically have to keep him happy which i had to do going around the ground but i just don't have to do as much lengthier works well that is great to know on all accounts thank you so much for sharing um, about all of these horses in your background. One thing I do want to touch on, I'd be remiss not to bring up, is how great you are in taking care of your horses once they're finished at the track. And not just horses who are in your barn currently, but maybe horses who go on and are claimed by other trainers. I know for, I have reached out to you on a number of occasions to you know, let you know about horses who may be in some, some dire situations and you always step up for that. Is that a big priority for you? And are there any specific aftercare organizations that you are involved with? We we try to help all of them. I think they all have their own niche uh, that they that they uh, excel at. Um, I really like the fact that thoroughbred horses can be used in so many different things after their careers are over as racehorses. Uh, from you know the the pony that that took uh, that took. Uh, gun runner to the post in dubai was was an ex-race horse that oh, wow. that uh, that my wife made into a pony oh no way and he's and he was able to take all those horses for steve asmussen and then you know the horse biker boy is at the at the horse park and he's teaching that's oh, so horsemanship. Cool. and those are the kind of things and you want to help all of them and you want to be in a position so to do that you can't really single out one group there's a group of of people in Oklahoma that just brought a horse to, to my attention that I sold to an outrider to be an outrider horse and I guess it didn't work out for him and he got rid of it and and uh, they helped me find it and and procure it and and now they're retraining it to be a dressage horse and you know there's just so many different things uh, that these guys can do and, and they're so noble and they're so cool I just want to make sure they have every opportunity to figure out what it is they want to do after their after their career of racing is over, which is only a small window yeah. of their life. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I have one last segment. Be fast and easy. It's something I'm doing with all of my guests. It's just 10 questions, some to do with racing, some just to do with you. You ready? Okay. Yeah, I'm ready. What's your favorite type of wager? Trifecta bucks. Who is your favorite racehorse of all time? Belay. Say that again? Whirl away. Oh, whirl away. Okay. Uh, what is a race that's on your bucket list to win? The Breeders' Cup Sprint. <laughs> I think you could do that this year. Uh, where is your favorite vacation spot? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when was your last vacation? I, I've never. We don't do vacations. We Saratoga. There you go. There you go. If you could pick one person from history, living or dead, to take to the races with you for an afternoon, who would that be? Um, my grandpa. Oh. Who's your favorite sports team? Arkansas Razorbacks. 
if you weren't a trainer, what would you boo be doing? Let's see here. I don't know. I let me think. It's something. It had to be something to do with animals. Yeah. I, I don't know. It has to be something to do with animals. What's your favorite song? Ooh. Okay. Uh, now you got to remember, I'm very diverse with music, so I've got. Oh, I know. <laughs> everything from everything from from gangster rap to uh, old school country. So I'm gonna say right now, it's probably Disturbed's version of. Uh, uh, what was the name of that song that I like so much of Disturbed? Uh. They did it live on the on the uh, Conan O'Brien show. I didn't see that. I feel yeah, like they uh, did do a cover. Yeah, it's <laughs> unbelievable. It's like a it's like a, a Simon and Garfunkel song. That, yeah, that it's a slower that. song. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. Probably my favorite song. Ah, I can't think of the top of my head, but that's yeah, crazy. I'll Google it and put it in the notes. Yeah. yeah it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it, what's funny is I probably listen to it and the Mumford Sons about once a week, and and. Uh, that it's wait a second it's it says are you looking it up no i know i'm trying to get to it I, and i'm not about to sing it so but it starts <laughs> off saying help uh hello darkness my old friend sound of silence sound of silence that's it. yes that's it. That's it. <laughs> i googled it okay there you go uh do you think that we're gonna have another triple crown winner this year with always dreaming what well, i i know because I, i'm i'm betting on on Classic Empire for the race. Okay. So I can't really say that. I, I hope we do. I think the, the, the game's great when we do, but uh, I, I think Classic Empire wins the Preakness if he gets a good trip. All right. And finally, this is probably the most important question for anyone who works for you. What is your Subway sandwich order? Oh, it's uh, it's roast beef, and you got to pull the bread out because I don't like all that. I don't want a bread sandwich, so uh -huh. it's roast beef with with american cheese and and you're a cookie guy too right you like the cookies yeah yeah cheesecake i do remember that the cheesecake cookie yeah everybody has to know that because i i stay at the barn usually and i sing somebody and it's funny that uh it's funny how many different people can make the same sandwich uh differently well i think you're probably one of the yeah. the people responsible for a subway relocating closer to churchill you've got to <laughs> <Yeah>. be <laughs> You can't, yeah, you can't tell by the by the amount they charge me. I think I should get a discount. I know, right? Well, Ryan, I know you've got a lot to do today, and I really want to say thank you so much for taking your time to be with me today. You're my first interview for this new series on Arena Sportsnet for All About the Race. So it's great having you. I wish you all the best, and hopefully we can talk a little later this summer, and we'll have some Breeders' Cup plans mapped out. Sounds great to me. Attention men under the age of 35. You know what really impresses the ladies? When a guy has a few drinks and later gets pulled over for buzz driving. That could cost you around $10,000 in fines, legal fees, and increased insurance rates. There goes let's grab dinner and a movie. Oh, I know. You drive more carefully when you're buzzed. You've proven that hundreds of times. A woman admires that kind of confidence. And you've practiced how to speak if a cop does pull you over. Slowly, clearly, and politely like, good evening, officer. A woman admires that kind of foresight. And what woman doesn't find it adorable that you call it buzzed even though the law calls it drunk? You could kiss $10,000 goodbye, along with any chance of having a girlfriend. 
Because nothing says I'm a catch more than a guy who lives in his parents' basement and calls it my place. Buzzed, busted, and broke. Because buzz driving is drunk driving. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Oh, man. This was awesome. An awesome return to Snowman in the Morning. And I want to thank everybody that has tuned us in. Remember, you can hear us 6 a.m. Eastern Time every single morning, Monday through Friday. You can hear the podcast beginning at 1 p.m., available 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, Download via iTunes. uh, Search uh, SIT Morning. And also, we're going to be on Audio Boom, Stitcher, SoundCloud. Everywhere you can hear us is where you can find us. And you can also find us on the uh, Arena Sportsnet website. We're redoing the Snowman in the Morning website, which will have... Um, ways for you to support the show. You can buy some gear, all kinds of good stuff. Speaking of which, please do me a favor and support Arena Sportsnet as we're getting relaunched here with our morning show with a couple of other shows that we have. Flieger and Briggs will be on five days a week. Um, Late Night Parents will be on five days a week. Uh, New episodes of the Asylum Sports Show with Flieger and Briggs will be Thursday nights, 11 p.m., all right. Thursday nights, 11 p.m. is where you can hear new episodes of Flieger and Briggs. In fact, I think we're just going to. Actually, while I'm thinking about it, let's move it back to 10 p.m. Going to move Flieger and Briggs uh, back to 10 p.m. We're, get, we're getting all of our programming together. So just hang around. We're going to move some pieces around. And if you want to sponsor our programming, get the word out about your business. Drop an email to bsnow at arenasportsnet.com. Oh, it's great to be back on in the mornings. It's great to be back on. Anyone who knows me or knows of me, the last couple of months I tried doing a show in the afternoons. just didn't work. Circumstances didn't work out. Got no ill will against the people that uh, tried to do something for me in the afternoons. But I just didn't feel right. I didn't feel right. And when you don't feel right about something, change it. It's pretty simple. If you don't feel right about something, change it. I uh, was watching a movie called The Equalizer. And the exchange was, I'm, I, I can't recall it perfectly off the top of my head. But I remember Denzel Washington, who played the title character, said, change your world. If you don't like your world the way it is right now, change it. What a buddy of mine of some 30 years told me a long time ago. If you don't like your situation, change it. So I made some changes. I'm still in the process of making them. <laughs> We're going to be back and better than ever. I'm going to be back and better than ever. But uh, it's good to be back on in the mornings. This is where I belong. This is where I will stay. Well, we hope you like this abbreviated edition of Snowman in the Morning. It's going to be hour long till we get all the pieces in place that we need, and then we will let you know when we go back to a full two hours, maybe even longer. But it's going to be fun while doing it. Tomorrow, for the second half of the show, you hear an interview that I did some time back with one Diamond Dallas Page. Then I got Rick Curdy coming on Wednesday talking Major League Baseball in Charlotte. Going to talk baseball throughout the course of the week. And 
Our, in, our inaugural play by baseball play-by-play for Arena Sportsnet will occur this week when we cover the Gwendolyn Brooks sectional of the IHSA tournament from Chicago. Join us, won't you? Until tomorrow, have a great day. God bless. Remember to make your next move your best move. And always remember, if your dreams don't scare you, then they are not big enough. Dream big, do bigger. Snowman of the Morning, presented by Cleaver Supplements. And until tomorrow, bless y'all, and I love you. Snowman out. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.